0: Welcome to another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined as always by Derek Terry of the Cats Paws. Derek, we are officially, it's our final Friday before we start game week next week.
1: Yeah, next time you'll hear us, um, well, assuming nothing happens over the weekend, that's breaking. Next time you hear this podcast, we'll uh, have a guest from Auburn on, and we'll be talking about Probably all football for the most part next week leading into the game. So talking season has gone a little bit longer this year. Uh, Quite a bit longer, actually. Uh, But I'm so excited, Sean, that it's almost here.
0: Yeah, I am too. You know what else I'm excited for? You can get out to the Butcher's Pub tonight. Two locations, one in Pineville, Kentucky, one in Williamsburg, Kentucky. Derek, they have amazing deals going on. Uh, If you need to find some of those deals, you can visit thebutcherspub.com. You can check them out on Facebook. Get out. It's Game 1 of the Western Conference Finals tonight between the Los Angeles Lakers and the Denver Nuggets. So get out there. Watch Jamal Murray. Watch Anthony Davis. Uh, There'll be some big-time Major League Baseball games on the TV, too. I know the Cincinnati Reds are right in the hunt for a playoff spot. You and I are very excited about that. They have the White Sox. Against
1: all odds. Yeah. They have the
0: White Sox in town. Derek has convinced me to let my heart be vulnerable again to possibly be broken. So I might even be out there at the butchers pub tonight watching that game. And, uh, hopefully I leave happy, but regardless, win or loss, I'm sure I'll leave happy because the food is amazing. If you want to try the, the wings, uh, got the zombie sauce, got all those other, uh, amazing flavors, got great burgers. Their sidewinder fries are some of the best fries I've ever had in my life. So make it out to the butcher's pub tonight. Uh, two locations, one in Pondville, one in Williamsburg. Uh, but Derek, Let's go ahead and start talking some of this uh, new news that came out where as we start to record the SEC. We actually talked about this a little bit, I think, yesterday when it came to you know the roster numbers and how many players have to travel. Uh, when you look at that press release from the SEC, it says to play a football game, the SEC has established minimum thresholds of at least 53 scholarship players available to participate, and then the following minimum number of position scholarship players to begin, to begin a game, seven offensive linemen, which includes one center, one quarterback, and four defensive linemen. So when you scan through that, what do you see?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, as long as you can stay in a situation where you're not having entire groups wiped out, I think you should be fine, obviously. Um, seven offensive linemen on scholarship, or what? I guess it doesn't matter, uh, you have to have at least 53 scholarship players overall, but I assume um, – oh, never mind, no, it is it is position scholarship, isn't it? It yeah, is not it Yeah, so it does yeah. make it a little bit different then because you uh, can't just have a full group of offensive linemen on reserve. But Kentucky's got a lot of depth, though, at both those positions. I would think as long as you don't have a matter of the contact tracing running all through a room, I don't think it's going to be very difficult to meet those thresholds. Well, Kentucky's got five scholarship quarterbacks. You just have to have one available. Uh, four defensive linemen, again, they, they're probably going to play nine this year on the defensive line. So, pure numbers-wise, I don't think Kentucky's going have to worry too much unless it's just a really bad case of contact tracing going through the team.
0: Yeah, and from the the look of things, not everybody has the same bye week. You said Kentucky's is the last, right? And then late in, in the season, the, everybody uh, plays.
1: Yeah, it's pretty late. They play, what, six six games, I think, before the Yeah, it's after, after
0: Missouri's their bye week, right? Because they come back with Vandy, and then they finish with that stretch, Alabama, Florida, South Carolina. Yeah. So their bye week's late. But there is a gap there, Derek, the two-week gap between the end of the season on December 5th to the SEC title game December 19th. So... If it gets into a situation where a school has to cancel, or postpone, or move a date, I'm assuming that's where the the target makeup date is. But in that 14 day period, I, who knows? I mean, might even does the SEC look at playing on a weekday at some point? I don't know. I guess it'll just have to be how they see fit. Uh, but it's definitely going to be something interesting to follow, uh, Derek, as we we get into game week. I mean, it's kind of crazy to think that we're. Uh, We're finally here. We launched this podcast the night that they sent out the two additional games, and that feels like a lifetime
1: ago. It does um, pretty much 34, 33 episodes ago. So it's been a long time, it feels like, since then. Um, I can remember – I was actually thinking about this the other day, whenever it came out that the SEC was going to play a 10-game schedule uh, before the teams were announced, which was I think that was like in mid-July. and it's gone by pretty quick, I mean, kind in some ways, like, I think people understand what I mean, this whole year has felt that way, that uh, parts of it feel like it's been long, and then parts of it, you look up, and it's, you know, almost October, so, I'm excited for it to happen, Sean, the, I made the decision today, um, and I don't want to spend too much time talking about this on my end, but. I covered 41 straight Kentucky football games going all the way back to 2016. The last one I had not covered was when Kentucky uh, beat Missouri to more or less become bowl eligible because it gave them five wins and they saw Austin P on the schedule. So folks knew they were going to be going bowling. That was the last time I wasn't at a U.K. football game. So uh, we'll still have Daryl Burr going from the Catspaws. So I didn't feel like it was really necessary that I needed to be there. So. I'll miss that, like, because I think for people, I think it's really strengthened my love, Sean. You probably feel this way too for SEC football going. And Auburn was probably the one game, to be honest with you, that I was really looking forward to going to when the schedule came out, uh, whenever it came out, you know, whenever it became evident we'd be going to Auburn this season. It was originally supposed to be the fifth game. I was really looking forward to going to that one because I've been down there for basketball a few times. I love that area. I love the campus. So I'm disappointed, uh, but. At the end of the day, I'm just glad that they're able to hopefully still get this thing going and uh, come next Saturday. You know, we're won't be we not too much further away at this point from, from discussing the games and all the good stuff that people like.
0: Yeah, and as of right now, I'm going. So I'm still going, but, I mean, that could change, I guess, if I get in the middle of next week and decide to change my mind. But I'm like you. It has strengthened my love of SEC football. When you're on these campuses every single Saturday and you get to feel the environment, which you won't feel this year the same, but the last two years, well, take that, the last three years that we've been going to Auburn for basketball, I've always walked, we parked right there beside Jordan Hare in the parking garage, and every time that I'd walk out of that garage, I kept circling 2020 in my mind, I'm like, man, we get to go in there. We get to cover that game. We started looking at the press box, how it's in the end zone there instead of on the side. Me and you had talked about it uh, even last year about how excited we were. So as of right now, I'm going, Derek, I'm sure you'll be there in spirit watching through the TV, <laughs> covering the game. It's going oh, to be yeah. interesting, though. I mean, it's cool. it's going to be something. And we'll have some podcasts with some immediate reaction and things like that. But it's going to be weird. It's going to be weird for you all watching on TV, too, because it's going to look different. But Hey, we're all in this together, and at least it looks like we will have some Kentucky football. So staying on the Kentucky football topic, today is also our mailbag episode, Derek. So what we're going to do is we're going to answer, I think there's three mailbag questions that we have, and then we'll take a break, and then we'll come back, and we're actually going to revisit our season previews now that we're a week out. Some things may have changed. Some of us might still feel the same, but there's so many things that have happened and some of these, you know, guidelines, protocols that are coming out, maybe we need to sort of revisit it. And then we also need to say this. It is not going to be accurate probably week to week. We're going to have to come back, Derek, and it might, our game prediction might change based on who's in, who's out. We have to wait and see. So let's go ahead and get to the mailbag questions. And, Derek, I think this is a fitting one. It comes from Brian Thornton. He dimmed this to me last night. Would UK consider dropping a safety into an inside linebacker spot if the depth goes thin, thinking Mo Douglas.
1: That would be the only name, yeah, that I would say would be Mo Douglas. <laughs> it's been a weird year with coverage because typically you can spend the either spring, which we didn't really have much of a spring, or the um, fall early in camp. You can talk to a lot of these guys, and Mo Douglas would have been a guy I would have talked to this year. Didn't really get the chance, and – He's not been talked about, actually, at all. I don't think he's been mentioned one time uh, this fall camp. That might not mean anything. I don't know. But there have been other guys who have been mentioned um, without being prompted to by coaches. So the inside depth, I think they have enough numbers right now with the Eric Jackson, uh, Mark Wes and Jared Casey backing up those guys inside. I mean, you still also have Torrence Davis, who I would not expect anything at all from this year because, one, he's playing a new position, and, two, he uh, just showed up earlier this summer. He's probably as fresh as anybody is because he just wasn't even here for the early workouts. So Mo would be the only guy I would consider, but it's probably not going to be an easy proposition to just throw him down in there if he's never played before. Uh, to me, that would kind of be like a worst-case scenario. You know? You'd know, have to use him. Uh,
0: that's my thinking, too. I thought it was a very solid question, though, especially given that that's, that's the one spot. You've actually been – the guy that's been asking about that inside linebacker position. You actually asked Brad Watt a few weeks ago, didn't you? Didn't you, you followed up last night too? Yeah. So that's that's a position that we're definitely going to watch as this season starts. Uh, Derek, you should have the next question there.
1: All right, Sean. The next question uh, asks: any prediction on whether any of the guys playing their fourth year of eligibility will come back for another go-around? I expect it'd be rare outside of injury, but would be interested to know how the new eligibility waiver has, was received by players. I think that's a, a very good question.
0: It is a very good question. And I don't think we've really asked anyone, have we, other than Terry? Is Terry the only guy that we've asked about this and we ask about it on this show? And
1: yeah, Terry and Max Duffy and both of those guys said so this would be it for them. And I think the only other one we've heard from is Drake Jackson, who didn't really give an answer, but I would expect to uh, go.
0: And the reaction too. Terry said, even though he's not coming back, he thought it was a very good idea. He thought it was very good, that, you know, that they're deciding to do this for these players. And I think that pretty much answered the question inside of the question when that it would be rare outside of injury. I think that that's what it's going to come down to, Derek. Because a lot of these guys, maybe a guy that thinks they have a chance to break into an NFL spot or something like that. I don't know. Maybe. You could see that if a guy is, like, sixth, seventh round and he feels like he could improve and go higher. Uh, What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, whenever it first came out, I thought, man, this could really be a a game changer. Like, you could be planning for guys to be here even longer than before. But I still think that i got to agree with the injury angle. I think that might be the only way you really get guys back for more than they plan to be here anyway. So. I'm thinking of the offense. I don't know if there would be anybody, really, off the top of my head, who's going to be just super eager to come back. It's not going to be – I mean, I, I did see one of Tennessee's players, uh, Daryl Middleton, I believe, has already announced that he's coming back for 21. So there might be some guys already who have made up their minds that they're going to come back. But Stoops kind of – the way Stoops talked about it right when that came out, it makes me think that he's not thinking he's going to have a bunch of guys wanting to come back. So. I thought an interesting angle of that would be the guys who get this extra year who maybe decide to grad transfer, either from U.K. and other schools. And with that said, maybe Kentucky goes into next year. I think they're still going to have really good depth across the board next year, but maybe there are some guys who do go to that transfer wire that they didn't expect to that maybe you'll see a couple names connected to U.K.
0: Yeah, and this this might be something, too, that we really don't know about until late in the season. Until we see how this season goes, this could be something that maybe December, when guys announce this, whether they're coming back or whether they're leaving, it definitely adds an interesting angle to the off-season area. I think that's where we'll see that.
1: And one other guy who might make sense, depending on how quick he progresses from injury, is Devontae Robinson. Just because he missed all last year with an injury, he's also red-shirted, so he's had two seasons since he's been at UK that he didn't get to play at all, and Sounds like from Stoops' comments on Monday he won't even really be ready for until maybe week two or three this year. So maybe he's the guy who says, you know what, I don't have to absolutely risk anything early by trying to push myself too soon because I know I have this extra year if I choose to, to have it. And I think he's a guy, he's a Lexington kid. Um, I think UK would certainly welcome him back for another season if he wanted to come back.
0: I think they would. And that's who this rule I think fits the most is or those guys that have missed time and they can sort of get that year back that they've lost in the past. So uh, definitely will be an interesting situation to follow. One more question to, this is a recruiting, basketball recruiting question, and this is a topic that we've talked about a few times. What's the deal with Jaden Hardy's recruitment? Once thought to be a sure thing, now looks like he's going somewhere else. Is Cal going other routes because things heard, maybe G League route? Cal doesn't want to mess with those guys, and he knows what UK means going to the NBA. Well, Corey, before he jumped to the NBA himself, <laughs> actually talked about this, that he thought that the longer this went on, that Kentucky, his words were, they, John Calpher doesn't want to get left at the altar, right? So yeah. at this situ- at this point, I don't think Jaden Hardy ends up at Kentucky, personally, just because it's gone so quiet that it sounds like Cal has sort of moved to Hunter Salas and not Jaden Hardy. Because Hardy, let we'll see, now the school is UCLA that's getting some buzz, and but I think the G League's probably the biggest threat, in my opinion. Uh, so it it does seem like Kentucky has gone another direction. We've not really heard a ton from Jaden Hardy in Kentucky.
1: We haven't. Um... I'm thinking he, he does go the G-League route. That would be my guess, and it's probably why UK has moved on just because, I mean, if it comes down to it in April or whatever and they could still use a guy and he decides he does want to come to Kentucky, then sure, they'll probably take him. But I've I've started operating under the assumption that once Scott Clark possibly reclassifying was an option and Hunter Stallis off run out, that told me that Hardy wasn't really the priority anymore.
0: And you added Hickman at that position too, okay. then you don't yep. you don't know about okay. Devin Askew, possibly a sophomore season there. So there I mean I think the writing's on the wall. Sure Kentucky was the favorite for the long for a long term there, but like Corey said on the first time he joined us, it's it's very rare you see the favorite, you know, be the guy that gets get be the school that gets the player when it's gone so long. At some point a decision has to be made. And I think that's been some of the worry with the Scott Clark recruitment is, you know, the longer this thing goes on, does North Carolina really a legit threat to land him? Uh, but overall, a very solid mailbag today. We will do this. We might move up the mailbag question a day. Now that we're getting into football season, we might throw that into Thursday's episodes, Derek, that way we can keep it uh, to all pregame for football on Fridays. But uh, anything else you'd like to add before we wrap this up on the mailbag?
1: No, we appreciate the questions. I thought those were all very good, very relevant questions. Um, we apologize. We couldn't get to more for Vince Mayer. I know we had some more that we didn't get to. Um, it's time constraints talking to Coach. But we appreciate the feedback. We love having people listen. Um, keep keep sending us messages, emails. Let us know how we're doing.
0: For sure. So keep sending, keep sending mailbag questions. You can DM me. You can DM Derek. You can reply to the tweet that I put out the night before. We will continue doing some questions for guests. Like you said, we apologize. We couldn't get to all of them. I think we end up having like seven or eight and we already had vents for 19 minutes. We couldn't have, you know, stretched that to 25 because they had meetings and everything that day. Uh, but this has been the mailbag segment. Soon as we come back from this break, Derek, we're going to do our predictions for the 2020 season and we'll see if anything has changed. You're listening to Kentucky Daily. Call Bryant Law, 261-7381. This is the attorney, Jeremy Bryant. Have you been injured at work in the last 24 months? Contact Bryant Law. We want you to understand that every dime an insurance company keeps from you is another one they keep in their pocket. You're entitled to just compensation. So don't let the insurance company tell you what's proper. After all, you're the one who has been injured on the job. I'll evaluate your case and tell you the truth. Call Bryant Law in Corbin and get what you deserve. Visit online at jeremybryantlaw.com. Derek, Kentucky and Auburn kick this thing off next Saturday have you changed your mind about anything leading up to that week?
1: no I, I felt all along like uh, Kentucky had a good chance in this game um, Auburn's continued to deal with some of the some of the COVID stuff I think a little bit more than Kentucky has and just the natural losses from year to year with the offensive line depth once that game that was the thing that I circled you know back before the season even got changed around when I thought you know fifth game of the year at that point maybe Auburn will start to figure some of the things out along the lines with what they lost but then I really just feel like that became a real advantage for Kentucky whenever that game went to first because I think the matchups where Kentucky has its strengths uh, are going to be pretty good versus an Auburn team that's going to be kind of fun in its footing this first game. And there's no tune-up games for these teams, like, which, I mean, Auburn last year started the game, started the season with Oregon, so I wouldn't call that a tune-up game by any means. But it's the first time they get out there, though. I mean, I think you know, Kentucky's going to have the advantage there.
0: I do, too. I really like Kentucky up front. I like Kentucky's offensive line in that matchup, Derek. I just feel like that early on with Terry coming back from that injury it's, it's going take like it's gonna take him a few drives to sort of get his rhythm back. I mean we have to think about this. It's a year tomorrow since he had his surgery. Wow, so it's an exact year September nineteenth uh is the date for that is that? Yeah, September nineteenth. I wanted to make sure I got that right. So he did. He went under the knife September nineteenth, two thousand nineteen. So it's been exactly a year. I actually have that story that I've been previewing for the last month. I have it dropping tomorrow. I thought tomorrow's the perfect day to drop it, but I think it, you're going to have to give him a couple series to sort of get his feet under him and get it, you know, get some confidence going. And that's where I like Kentucky's offensive line and their ground game in that matchup. I mean, what better do you feel more confident about running backs than you do those three, and now we're hearing Jaton McLean and Travis Tisdale? They, Eddie Green has a stable back there.
1: Yeah, I think it would really send a message to the league. I mean, because Auburn's linebacker and Cora's is, is one of the best. I think they had a couple of names on that All-SEC list yesterday at linebacker. So I'm not going to say it's going to be a walk in the park to run up there, and just because Auburn's got some new guys on the D-line, but – I do think, you know, UK as this rep is one of the best offensive lines in the country. I think they need to – this is a team that you're capable of establishing that against them, even though there are still some very good players on uh, Auburn's side. But the deal is, though, I mean, if you, it's the same for any team you're playing. If you can't run the ball successfully, you're going to have a really hard time winning. And I love the backs that UK has. I'll be really interested to see kind of how they balance the reps because I'll be completely honest with you. I, last year, the way that Smoke Rodriguez came on, I thought maybe it would make – since to lean towards those guys more this year. But then you hear from Tom Leach and Mark Stoops that A.J. Rose has put together one of his best camps. So I still had Rose as a projected starter. I do think he'll be the first guy out there. Um, if he becomes more of that complete back where he can get the the tough yards, I think that would be great for Kentucky. But if not, I mean, you're going to have a lot of options this year. So I do feel really good about the way they're going to be able to run the ball.
0: And I'll tell you this, too. I, I think A.J.'s impact will be greater this year that Terry's back there. He's really good catching the ball out of the backfield. I think that you could see some of those screens or some of those plays to get him the ball in space. That He really thrived on that his sophomore season behind Benny. So I think that that could be something that you see there. Uh, Derek, we've talked to Auburn. I, I have Kentucky winning that matchup. Let's go ahead and just give your overall record on the season, and then if you want to, you can dive into it and how you see that playing out.
1: Yeah, so what I wanted to do with this exercise, and this is where we were talking about earlier where it's going to change week to week, what I like to do when I make season predictions is kind of evaluate where Kentucky stands versus the other programs in the SEC. So the way I did it this year, I picked them to go six and four, which for anybody who thinks that's too low, it's fine. I will tell you, and I know there are two games added, but I'll tell you UK has not won six football games in the SEC how long, Sean, like 60 years probably?
0: <laughs> yeah. It would yeah. be
1: uh, – yes, you get the two more opportunities this year. That would still be a lot of wins against an SEC team. In 2018, they won five. That was the most they one. won. Should have won six. Maybe could have even won more than that in 2018. But So the teams I think that U.K. is better than uh, unequivocally is Missouri and Vanderbilt, no question about it. I like where they are. Like I would take Kentucky's spot in the SEC pecking order over Mississippi State and Ole Miss – and also South Carolina, though I will say this because I know South Carolina is a very uh, – that can be a team that gets people riled up in Kentucky. South Carolina should be better than what it is. Talent-wise, they're number 21 in SEC composite rankings. They have two five-stars on the roster, a whole bunch of four-stars. So they are a little bit higher ranked. And I know games aren't played on paper, but what I'm trying to get at is if, it, if South Carolina ever gets to a point where they hire a real coach who's who's good at development and can still recruit, like – on paper, I think that's probably a program, given the advantages down there, that should be better than Kentucky every year. doesn't mean that they will be. But that left every other team. The only teams I looked at this year, Sean, that I thought, you know, this is going to be a really tough challenge is I would have said Alabama and Georgia. Now that Georgia has had some things happen since the last time I recorded this, I don't think that game is um, one where you go in for sure saying you're not going to win. I actually think that's the case this year. Like, you get Georgia at home, their defense is going to be nasty, but – until they get those offensive things really worked out, I think that could be a game Kentucky stays in. But the one thing that's going to come down to is if they can beat a team like Tennessee or Florida this year in Auburn, you know, because I had them going six and four, and that what I picked was the win against Auburn. So I do think they'll win this first game. But until they beat Tennessee, I'm not going to pick them to win in Knoxville. <laughs> and Florida, I think they'll have a good shot at. Th- those games could be huge, as towards the end of the year with the SEC standings.
0: So, you had six and four preseason, too, didn't you? When we first talked about it, I think you yeah, were six and four.
1: I'm not moved off that. And that's just, like I'm saying, it's just the overall how I feel they stack up in the SEC this year, which is very good for Kentucky. I feel like they're certainly a middle of the road type SEC team, which in other leagues would be good enough to compete probably for a championship.
0: It would. And when we did this a month ago, I had Kentucky 8-2, and two, but I wasn't as confident, if you remember. I kept saying, I don't know how I got to this mark. I think I sort of let the emotions and the excitement of seeing the schedule sort of get behind me. But I will say this, I'm not far off. I said seven. I'm, I'm saying seven and three. Uh, I've said two losses, somebody asked me this morning. I put Georgia, Alabama in the loss category, just given the difference in all the talent. You know, Georgia, you've said it multiple times has more star talent than Alabama. So when you look at that, I just feel like that those two now, I like what you said too. A lot has happened around Georgia. That game is at Kentucky. Kentucky's not having to travel. They get to sleep in their own bed that night. And in a year like this, Derek, I think that's going to play a lot of you know positives for a lot of these programs. So that's a game I do think Kentucky hangs around in. I don't want people to think that I'm sitting here thinking they don't have a chance to beat Georgia. This year, I mean, if it were a full stadium, I think I'd even probably lean more to them possibly winning it. But then I had somebody asked me, okay, what's the third loss? One of Florida, one of Tennessee. I think that they find a way to win one of those. So if that happens and you beat Auburn and you beat one of Florida and Tennessee, as long as you don't just lose to somebody like Vandy or Missouri or somebody you shouldn't lose to, this should be a really good year if that plays out.
1: And that's So I agree with you there on the seven-win mark. I definitely think it's doable to beat Florida or Tennessee. I don't think Tennessee is much better than them at all, to be honest with you. I mean, I don't think – I wouldn't sit here and argue that Kentucky's necessarily better, but there's not a big gap between those two teams uh, as of now. I guess where I keep coming back to that six-win mark, though, is because I am convinced Kentucky's going to beat Missouri and Vanderbilt. I'm pretty convinced they're going to beat both Mississippi schools. Um, but I'm not – Like, I don't think Kentucky is just overwhelmingly better than Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and South Carolina to where there's, like, no chance they lose those games. So if you lose one of those, it really becomes important that you do beat one of Florida, Tennessee, or or Auburn because, I mean, worst case scenario to me is if you lose to Auburn and then come right around and lose to Ole Miss too, which I don't think is going to happen. Like, I do think they're better than Ole Miss. But like I'm saying, you know, are they – Double-digit better than, than those teams. Those teams, I don't think so. But you get them at home, it'll be like to me this year. If you can beat those teams that you should beat, and you feel like you're better than, them, then you're you're staying on that positive climb, positive momentum. And yes, the next step for Kentucky is absolutely to beat Tennessee, Georgia, and Florida more than they have. I mean, it's been a big uh, issue in the soups Era, but it's been a big issue throughout the history of Kentucky football. So my main thing is avoid, you know, take care of business because a lot of those teams I just mentioned. Matter of fact, three of them you're playing at home. In South Carolina, Mississippi State, and Ole Miss, and to me, it's pretty much a gift this year to have Ole Miss. or uh, sorry Missouri and Vanderbilt on the road. Because those are probably your two easiest games. So, yeah. pull an upset somewhere, seven and three. You're probably going to finish no worse than third. I would say in the East, yeah, maybe even second.
0: And I think too, seven and three. You depending on who you beat, who you lo- you lose to, you could be right there playing Florida for the division late in the season, going into that. I mean that's uh, you're definitely gonna be in the conversation if you get to seven wins. The only thing that I think Kentucky needs to avoid is four and six or something along those lines, three and seven. Five and five. Derek. Five and five. Yeah. Five and five, I would feel really good about where this program is. Honestly. I would feel good. Five and five, given the schedule. Just because it's a ten game SEC schedule, we don't really know exactly what's gonna happen. That's like last year. That eight and five finish it almost feels like nine ten wins given everything that they overcome and yeah. and I think that was honestly Derek I'll tell you this you know they won they went five and three in the SEC in 2018. I think last year's Kentucky team if with a healthy Terry would have won five SEC games. I think they would have beaten Mississippi State South Carolina so I think that this is a program that is getting into that. Moving away from the three and five, four and four in the SEC, possibly five wins annually in conference play. And if you get that, you probably were right there knocking on the door for it in an eight-game SEC schedule.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I'm going to contradict myself a little bit because I just said that you need to beat the teams you should beat. But again, that's going to change based on, you know, if you're at full strength and you beat Auburn, you beat some of these other teams. But then you get to the end of the year against South Carolina on injuries and maybe you got some guys out with COVID. And you lose to them, like, you know, it, it's just every game is have to be evaluated so differently this year based on who's playing and who's out there, what circumstances are, uh, you know, around the game. So that's where this year is going to be interesting to me in terms of how it's judged. Like, five and five on paper, given the buildup, I don't think I don't think it's a bad year. I don't know that it really moves the needle much going into next year. But, again, if the circumstances are, you know, what if you had to overcome a lot to get to those five wins? Like last year's 8-5 season I don't think was – or I well, use the regular season as an example. Finished 7-5 and five in 2016, 2017, and 2019. I felt like what they did last year, that 7-5 and five season, was far more impressive. It was. Whereas 2017 I would say it's probably disappointing that they did that, that they only won seven. It, Whereas last year it was like, you know, I thought like they really maximized what they could do. They, they did. And
0: I think that's a very good point is – you left that 2017 season kind of upset because they let Florida slip away. They let Ole Miss slip away. That season, that probably should have been the eight, nine-win season before the nine-win season, regular season. So, And then who knows what happens last year if they were at full strength. I think you and I, after even the Eastern Mission game, we felt confident going into the rest of the season. So it's just going to, be, have, to have to be something that we sort of watch game to game. It's going to be a schedule and a season that you just we probably talk about in increments, mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. is we you get an you get a feel after Auburn and then that feeling could change the following week, even if you start out bad. I mean it could change positively in seven days. So this is literally going to be a roller coaster ride for every program. Even the Alabamas, in the Georgias, in the Floridas. They're all going to have their highs, they're all going to have their lows. And Derek, I think that's what's going to suck us all in to this SEC football season is it's literally going to be, I think, honestly, I think it could be chaos. It wouldn't shock me if there's a crazy upset in week one. Do you think Kentucky, though, would be labeled the crazy upset if they go to beat Auburn? Do you think that would be the national? No. I don't think so either. I think people now feel like Kentucky, I don't even know if it'd be talked about as an upset on the national. Well, it's going to be
1: what? Like number nine versus number 20? 23 or exactly. something? So, um, going back to what we talked about a few days ago, um as much as I love the noon kickoff games, I really do feel like, uh, you know, this, this should have been a primetime game probably um, based on the other games that were around it. But those games will come, though. If you take care of business, if you get to a game, like, to me the best-case scenario is you get to that bye week with only one loss. That would be a tremendous run to get to there because I'm assuming they take care of business at home against Vanderbilt. You could go into the Alabama game. I mean, now that the Big Ten and Pac-12 are probably coming back, maybe the polls would be different. But, like, but even in that kind of scenario, Kentucky would pro- probably be a top ten if, team. So,
0: if, if they beat Auburn in Week One, they're getting they're getting bumped in the polls to the point that yes. I think they would overcome even some of those Big Ten teams entering because you would have the eye test with Kentucky, and I think you would be able to go off that. Uh, but when you look at those games, it's the only SEC matchup that features two ranked opponents in Week One, and and I think the AP did say that the Big Ten will not be factored into this poll releasing on Sunday. So going into game week, it's not going to impact. Kentucky's not falling out of that top 25. But when you look at these matchups, Derek, let's throw out Alabama-Missouri, let's throw out Vandy-Texas A&M, and let's throw out Georgia-Arkansas. Mississippi State-LSU, you want to throw that one out too, because I don't think any of those teams that are favored will lose those. But Florida at Ole Miss on the road, first game of the year. Lane Kiffin at home. Tennessee at South Carolina. Do you see either of those two? How do you see? Do you see anything crazy happening there? Maybe South Carolina over Tennessee at home? Or do you think Ole Miss has a shot against Florida?
1: I could see South Carolina for sure over Tennessee because Tennessee has had a lot of problems. I thought it was interesting. South Carolina um, went with, I think his name is Colin Hill at quarterback. I might have his name wrong, but he's a That's guy right. from from South Carolina. Well, he's at South Carolina now, but he came with Mark Bobo from Colorado State, so that was surprising to me on the surface that Ron Holinski didn't win that job because he was an Elite 11 quarterback who you know, was forced into action last year when Jake Bentley got hurt, but given that the practice time has been cut down substantially when you don't factor in spring practice, it kind of does make sense that for that first game you would go with the person that you trust the most. So We'll see. I was told he's pretty much just a game manager. I don't think he's going to make any plays to really help you too much or hurt you. So, depending on how crisp Tennessee is, I think it will depend on the outcome of that game. That one is in South Carolina as well, right? So, it is. Uh, I could definitely see South Carolina win, winning that one. I don't. I think the Florida Ole Miss game could be kind of fun, just because I think Ole Miss's offense has the pieces to to be an exciting team. But I have a hard time thinking Ole Miss will be able to stop Ben Mullen's offense enough to to win that game. But that's actually the team I'm really looking forward to coming to Lexington as Ole Miss because they got some they got some talent on the offensive side of the ball. But I feel like Kentucky's moved up the ladder enough as a program that they could really probably assert their will on offense against Ole Miss's front, which would uh the way Kentucky plays, I think, would land the UK having a pretty good outcome in that game. But yeah. I, I don't think Mississippi State and L S U is an absolute gimme for L S U just because they're having to replace so much from last year. They've had some guys opt out. Um Sounds like they have some guys who might be deciding to opt back in, but as of now, I could see that being a relatively close game for a little bit of it. I don't know that Mississippi State's going to be able to do enough to win, but, uh, you know, you get the Pirate out there with uh, KJ Costello and uh forgetting the name of the, uh, uh Hill, Colin Hill, so I could see it being an interesting game for a little bit. It,
0: it could be. I mean, it's in that 3.30 CBS time slot for a reason, so obviously – uh, the experts believe that that's going to be, you know, a solid matchup. I, I too, I think LSU being the defending national champion sort of put them in that time spot more than anything else did. But Derek, it's going to be interesting. This is it. We're now moving into game week in the SEC, and I, I I'm excited because we'll finally yep. have some big time stuff to talk about. We'll have some storylines coming out after these games. So it's officially here. We will be back next week. We'll have an Auburn preview for you on Monday. I hope you enjoy that. It'll be a scouting report-type episode. Frank Fowler, one of my good friends from SEC this morning that produces that show with Peter Burns, Chris Doring. he's going to join us on Wednesday. And you never know who we might add to the guest list in game week. But it'll officially be game week. Hope you join us next week. Hope you enjoyed this episode. One more note before we close. If you listen to this before 5.15 Eastern time today, Mark Stoops is joining the Paul Feinbaum show at 5.15. So if you want to hear Coach Stoops one time before Monday, uh, get on to the SEC Network at 5.15 p.m. Eastern time today to listen to Coach Stoops. We'll be back next week. This has been another episode of Kentucky Daily. See you then.